when uh, the Lord starts to point out things in our lives, it's still good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there, there are always those times, and we love those times when we're talking about, yes, this is who you are in Jesus, and we can all shout and get excited. There's also those times where you, we just need to hear from the Lord, and he goes, okay, let's deal with some stuff, right? So that's okay, isn't it? I hope so, because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. <laughs> hey, we have been in a series called Living Large. It's been about the, the book of James. As James said, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. So hear it and do it. And when you're doing it, you're living large. You're living for the kingdom. And this morning, we are going to be looking at James chapter 4. But we're also going to be in Numbers chapter 12. So if you're following along in your Bible and you want to be looking, uh, turning over to those two places, James chapter 4 and Numbers chapter 12. And while you're looking for that, as always, I'm going to start with a story. Uh, I read this news article not too long ago about um, two brothers who had gotten into an argument. And this argument resulted in several people getting stabbed and a few people getting shot. I know, terrible, right? So um, I'm going to tell you the story. The, The names have been changed to protect the ignorant. So um, the police had been called to, to uh, this home, and it happened to be the, uh, the grandmother of the brothers, and they asked the grandmother, can you tell us what happened? And she said, well, the first thing that I knew, um, Bill called Tom a liar, and Tom took a stick and hit Bill upside the head with it, and then one of Bill's friends Stabbed Tom. Then one of Tom's friends shot Bill's friend. Then two more guys shot Tom's friend. And somewhere in all of that, some other people got stabbed. And the policeman was really confused about all this. And he said, well, can you tell me, you know, what what started the fight? He said, well, Bill found a nickel on the ground and Tom said it was his. People do stupid things, don't they? We have a tendency to do some dumb things at times, don't we? We have a tendency at times to fight over what seems like it's very worthless stuff. Right? We don't always set out to be stupid, just sometimes it finds us naturally. But we want God to show us where we've been stupid. Because he does it in a very loving, loving way. James chapter 4, verse 1 says, What causes your conflict with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly Obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. Now, the book of James, they believe, was the first book of the New Testament that was written. Written somewhere between the year 40 A.D. and 50 A.D. So we're really just talking about 
10 to 20 years since Jesus rose from the dead, since the church was birthed, and they're already having to write a letter. James is writing a letter to the church, and he's saying, hey, Christians, stop being jerks. And you know, that's still pretty relevant today, isn't it? Because at times, we can be rather jerky. Jealousy, envy, selfishness, they come when we're living in our emotions instead of being led by the Spirit. Unfortunately, this is rampant in the church at times. It was rampant in the church in James's time. That's why he's writing the letter. It's rampant in the church today that we tend to live out of an emotional place instead of living led by the Spirit of God. Because let's be honest, the Spirit is never going to lead you to quarrel and fight with your brothers and your sisters. So if we find ourselves in a place where we're quarreling, we're fighting, we're complaining, we're backbiting, we're doing all these things, I don't care if you think that discernment is your spiritual gift, you're not being led by the Spirit of God. Okay? Now, we can all see stuff in people's life, right? But you know how much easier it is to see stuff in everybody else's life and not see it in my life? It is so easy to look and pick out everybody else's problem. If they would just do this, their life wouldn't be that way. Yet we continue to do what we do. And say, well, you know, God understands. (laughs) I don't think that's the way that God wanted it to be. We can't live that way. It keeps us from being attractive to the world. Why would they want to come to a place where people fuss and fight? They got that out there. It keeps us from being effective in the kingdom. It keeps us from being who God really created us to be. There was a professional hockey player. His name was Stan Makita. He's actually a a member of the the NHL Hall of Fame. And early in his career, he was known for just getting in fights. Always getting in fights. And all of that stopped when his then eight-year-old daughter asked him a a, a very grown-up question. She asked, Daddy, how can you score goals when you're always in the penalty box? At eight years old, she recognized that he was not meant to be out there just to cause fights, just to get in fights. He was out there to score goals. That's what they were paying him to do was score goals, win games. Not to spend his time in the penalty box. So the question comes up, are we scoring goals for the kingdom? Or are we missing opportunities Because we're always fighting and we're in the penalty box. (laughs) Now, if if you're following along with me, you're going to want to keep your finger in James. We're going to flip over to to Numbers and we're going to flip back and forth for the rest of the time. Numbers chapter 12, 
starting in verse 1. It says, while they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron, and that's Moses' sister and brother, criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. All right, y'all ready for this? This is my first point of the day. Prejudice is a trap, so stay away from it. Prejudice is a trap, so stay away from it. Now, I know that sounds like a duh statement. It reminds me of, of a, a movie from the 80s where this guy, uh, he had to ski down this huge mountain that nobody had ever skied down before. And he was going to ski down this mountain. The only reason he was going to do it was to win the love of his life. And his best friend, who was the comic relief, was going to teach him how to ski down this mountain that nobody else could ski down. And they go up on top of this mountain, and they're looking down, and, and the guy is terrified, and his friend goes, you got this? It's okay. I'm going to tell you how to do this. He says, you go that way really fast. If something gets in your way, turn. Now, we make a simple statement. Prejudice is a trap, so stay away from it. But it's amazing how quickly we can fall into a place of prejudging people. Cush, Miriam and Aaron were upset that Moses had married a woman from Cush. Where in the world is Cush? Well, it happens to be modern-day Ethiopia. The word Cush in ancient Hebrew means black. They were called Cushites by the Hebrews because of how dark their skin was. See where I'm going with this? See, it, it, it looks like... Aaron and Miriam were upset that little baby brother had married a black woman. Anybody mad at me yet? There was a, an army general, a very high army general, who fought in the Civil War. And he went off to war with uh, some very deep-seated racial prejudices. From the part of the country that he lived in and what he had been around, he had these racial prejudices. But after he came back from the war, he had a very different attitude. You see, seeing men killed and destroyed had given him such a reverence for life. And he understood that it didn't matter the color of their skin. It was just about life. And he found himself in Washington, D.C. not long after the war was over. And he was a very famous general. People knew who he was. And he attended a church service. And during that church service, this particular church had desegregated the communion altar. One of the first churches in the, in the country to do so. And this general went down to receive the communion elements and he found himself kneeling right next to a black man. Now after the service, somebody who recognized him came up to him in a very agitated way because they didn't like the fact that, that the communion service had been desegregated. And they asked him, how could you have knelt next to a black man? And he had one of the greatest responses he said, if I've learned anything in life, I've learned that the ground is level 
beneath the cross. The ground is level beneath the cross. All right. Point number two. Prejudice is the best friend of pride. They whisper to you, you're better than them. They're not as good as you. But back in James chapter 4, verse 2, it says, you jealously, you jealously want what others have. So you begin to see yourself better than others. There's pride in this. And remember, it starts with just subtle thinking. Just a subtle place of thinking. And we know it's not all, prejudice is not all about just racial things. We can be prejudiced in a a lot of different ways. We can be prejudiced even against leadership. And sometimes we have these thoughts. If I was in charge, I would do this or I would do that. And you know, there's nothing wrong with you having these thoughts that, you know, seeing some things, how things could work better. That may be a gifting in you. But, ha- but having this attitude, well, if I was in charge, I would do it this way, proves why you're not in charge. We also have these other thoughts. Once again, the enemy comes in so subtly. And he'll say things like, those people are all like that. Fill in the blank. And we can't think that way. You cannot say, all homeless people are lazy. I talked to a man yesterday who told me his story. How he had had a good job. How he had had a family. And he lost everything. And he found himself homeless. A place he never thought he would be. It's not that he didn't want to work. He couldn't find work. It's not that he didn't want a family. Things fell apart. So we cannot look at people and and judge them by the situation that we find them in life. You can't say that. You can't say all immigrants want to suck off the system. You can't say all white men can't jump. Just because they don't show it on ESPN didn't mean it didn't happen. It's all that fake news. Don't allow twisted thinking and prideful arrogance to build into prejudice in your heart against individuals or groups. Okay? Once again, it's not, it's not always racial. It may just be this group. I'm having trouble with this group or that group. Just because things you've seen, things you've heard. I read a story about uh, a teacher. She was a history teacher. And after having taught for, for just a little over a decade, she decided she was going to take her summer vacation and go see some of these places that she'd always been teaching about. And somewhere along her, her journey, she found herself 
out in California, right around Sacramento, right at rush time, rush hour. And that's the moment that her truck breaks down. Just died on her in the middle of rush hour traffic. And there she is, alone. This is long before cell phones, because I know all of you are going, well, why didn't she just call for somebody? <laughs> Didn't work that way back then. She's alone. She's scared. And even though her, her, her broken down truck is causing things to back up, people are just going around her. Nobody's stopping to help. So she prays. She said, Lord, send me an angel, preferably one that knows about cars. Within just a few minutes, this big Harley Davidson pulls up. And off gets this big man. He's got long black hair. He's got a big beard and he's got tattoos down both of his arms. And he just walks right past her, walks up there, pops the hood of her truck and starts looking for the problem. Well, being a courteous Lady, she thought she should go around there and talk to him. But when she gets behind him, she sees on the back of his vest, it says, Hell's Angels. And now she's terrified. <laughs> Is he going to steal my truck? What's, what's he going to do? But she remembered she'd prayed for an angel. So she nervously starts a conversation with him. And he, recognizing how uncomfortable she is, he turns around and he looks her right in the eye. And he said, lady, don't judge a book by its cover. You'll miss meeting a lot of nice people. And with that, he just shuts the hood, cranks her car up, gets on his bike, and takes off. And at the end of her story, she says, given half the chance... People often crawl out of the boxes in which we've put them. We've all been in places. We've all lived this life. We've all got some scars and some wounds. But just because one person from one group did something, said something, doesn't mean that everybody's that way. We have got to have the eyes of the Lord to see and to understand. Look, I'm going to shock all of you. I am never going to spend one, one day of my life as a black man. I'm going to stay this color. It's the way it is. But I have a responsibility I don't want to shock you again, but white folks, we don't always have the best uh, reputation <laughs> with minorities. Now, I've been in places where I wasn't wanted. I've been in places where, you know, I, I, I wasn't served right, stuff like that. But am I going to say, oh, that's all of them? Am I going to act that way? Have I ever had something racial said to me? Yeah. 
There was a time when I was in high school playing football. Coming from my, my little hometown. Many years ago, that's right. Eons ago. And we played an all-black high school. Now, I don't know that everybody in the school was black, but everybody on the team was black. And there was this moment. They were killing us anyway. There was this moment. I had my head turned. I don't remember what I was doing. I had my head turned for, for something. I turned around, and this big old guy clocks me so hard. He hit me. And the sensation was I was falling forward, but I wasn't falling forward. I fell backwards, and I did a complete flip over. And don't you think that the coach didn't rewind that and show that several times on Monday in the film session. But I flipped over, and this big old guy stands over me, and he goes, you want some more of that, white boy? I went, no, sir. I'm, thank you. I'm good. I'm fine. Why would he even say that to me? Because things in his life had told him I wouldn't like him. He didn't know me. But his life situation had told him that I wouldn't like him. And that any, any opportunity he got, stick it to the man. <laughs> right? So I feel a responsibility to go above and beyond at times. Not to prove that all white people are nice, but to prove that Jesus is awesome. It's because of who I am. You see, Paul, in, in, in one verse, erased a whole bunch of things. He said, there is in Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's no racism. There is neither male nor female. There's no sexism. There is neither bond nor free. There is no classism. But all are one. And we got to act like we're one. We got to live like we're one. We got to be one. And it's my job as a missionary because I'm a missionary every day that I'm alive. I'm a missionary for the kingdom of God. Not for my race, but for the kingdom of God. Many years ago, Lisa and I were traveling out to Georgia to see her family. And um, we stopped in Mississippi. This was before they built a Cracker Barrel in Lindell, so Cracker Barrels were a big deal. So when we found a Cracker Barrel, we stopped. And we went in. And we sat down. And I noticed that this, this one black waitress was just getting all kinds of hell from these little old ladies. And it was starting to make me mad. And I said, Lord, you need to do something about that. And he said, you need to do something about that. And I thought I was going to have to get up and go tell those ladies. But right when he said that to me, I realized she was our waitress too. And you know what? I thanked her for everything. I told her what a great job she was doing. I tipped her like you wouldn't believe. Why? Because she knew that we were praying over our meal. She walked up while we were praying over our meal. I'm a missionary for the kingdom of God. 
And I was going to show her everybody wasn't like that group right there. Here's another little kicker. We got up, and I wanted to see who those old biddies were. Because they all had these little books with them. I walked by. They were the daughters of the Confederacy. I say, ain't nothing changed in a hundred and something years with you people, has it? <laughs> all right. Third point. Don't get too excited because I got four. <laughs> Dang it. He threw that fourth one in. He always only has three. All right. Number three, pride and prejudice. Eventually, have a voice. And it's not Mr. Darcy's. Yeah, all the little literary nerds went, <laughs> if you don't know what that means, go read a book. Back in Numbers chapter 12, verse 2, they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Remember, this is Aaron and Miriam. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? See, they're having a little gripe session. They're criticizing. But the next part they didn't expect. But the Lord heard them. But the Lord heard them. Aaron and Miriam, their prejudice had moved them into a place of pride. And when that's what's in you, it's going to come out of you. Luke 6.45, I know we've heard this plenty of times. but This is out of the Passion Translation. People, who are, people are known in the same way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and heard in your words. Once again, Jesus was talking to church folk. We like to go, oh, the evil people are not in church. Yes, we are. <laughs> out of what's in your hearts, what's going to come out of your mouth is going to be seen in your actions. The very earliest part of the 19th century, 19th, 1900s, there was a black preacher named William Seymour. And he was so desperate to learn about the Holy Spirit. And he had heard that there was this, this Bible school in Houston. And they were, they were teaching on the Holy Spirit in a way that nobody else was at that time. So he moved from Cincinnati to Houston to enroll in this school because he wanted to know about the Holy Spirit. But because of the times, because of the prejudice, because of the arrogance, because of the pride, this man was not allowed to sit in class with the white people. In fact, he was made to sit outside the door. And they'd leave the door open so he could hear. After about a month of being in school, he was offered the opportunity to move out to Los Angeles and pastor this little mission church. The poor part of town. Now, the leader of the Bible school that he attended didn't think he was ready. 
But Seymour went anyway. And because of his passion, because of his desire to see a move of the Holy Spirit, God moved in such a powerful way that thousands upon thousands of people came down to the bad part of Los Angeles to a dank, dirty, what used to be a stable to experience the presence of God, including the leader from the school in Houston. So it makes me wonder, since I can be quite cynical at times, had there not been such racial prejudice and pride in the white leaders in Houston, could the greatest revival of the 20th century happen, happen in Houston? Could it have happened in Houston? But instead, the men of Houston had to travel many miles to go and receive from a black man they had overlooked. It would be a shame to miss God because of arrogant, ignorant attitudes. It'd be just as bad to miss God because we badmouth the family of God. James 4, back in James 4, if you're flipping back, flip back to James 4, verse 11. It says, Dear friends, as part of God's family, never speak, never speak. Everybody say, never. Now, when you tell your children never, what do you mean? Never, right? When your kid says, can I have a rattlesnake for Christmas? Never. It's not going to be negotiated. Never. Dear friends, as part of the family, never speak against another family member. For when you slander a brother or sister, you violate God's Law of love. Even if they started it. Oh, we feel justified if they started it, right? They said something first. They did something first. But never is never, right? As someone once said, people who fight fire with fire usually end up with ashes. All right, number four. We're going to be done here real soon. Number four. God doesn't take pride and prejudice lightly. Back over in Numbers chapter 12, verse 5, it says, remember, the Lord had heard what had been said. It says, the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. Now to the end of verse 8. The Lord asked, so why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Why are we not afraid to criticize God's servants? Who's God's servants? Look to your left, then look to your right. Those are God's servants. Why are we not afraid to criticize? The Lord was angry with them, and he departed. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin, white as snow from leprosy. Now, once again, the Lord is not as vindictive as I might be. 
But if you remember, this whole thing started with them griping about Moses marrying a black woman. The Lord shows up, and now Miriam is as white as you can be. You don't like black? I'll let you be white. Now, once again, I don't think the Lord's as vindictive as I am. I just find that a bit ironic. But what we cannot argue about is sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. When we think about sin, we think about murder, we think about rape, we think about all these great big things. But the Lord was angry that they were criticizing. The Lord was upset that they were using their mouth to tear people down. God does not like it when we do that. Unless you think that was just Old Testament God. Because sometimes we try to say, well, that's Old Testament God. And this is New Testament God. New Testament God, he's, he's, he's loving. He's like a puppy dog sits in my lap and I just, I just love on him. But New Testament God says in James 4, 6, God resists you when you're proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. Now that word resist, the Greek word resist there, it means to oppose as in battle. Do you really want to go to battle against God to protect your arrogance? I don't. God, you can have my arrogance. I don't want to be resisted by God. I don't want to be on the outside. And it's not that God's saying, hey, you can't be my kid. That's not what he's saying. It's like uh, Jonathan was saying during the, during the transition. God wants us to come close to him. Hebrews says, come on, come on. But guess what? While we can't come on sometimes, it's because we got junk in our life. we got sin in our life, and we're not willing to deal with it. God wants us to deal with the sin in our life so we can get closer to him. Not because he's this mean, ugly God that has all these rules, and you better keep my rules. You better keep my rules. No, that's religion. Religion says, keep all my rules. Keep all my rules. The Lord is saying, I'm desperately protecting our relationship. That's why I don't want you to have this stuff in your life. That's why I don't want to hear you criticizing your brother or your sister. I made them. I called them. I anointed them. Hey, are they going to have issues? Yes, we all do. But Aaron and Miriam didn't even have the guts to go and talk to Moses about it. They're just going to get behind the back. They're going to do the good Christian thing. I'm going to talk behind your back. I'm going to run my mouth while you're not here. And then as soon as I see you, hey, brother, how are you? God bless you. I love you. I've been praying for you this week. God is not looking for that. Last scripture, James 4.17. says, so if you have an opportunity to do the right thing, yet you refrain from doing it, you are guilty of sin. If you know you've got some wrong thinking and you don't deal with it, you're in sin. If you know that you're talking and criticizing, tearing people down, and you're not doing something about it, you're in sin. Amen. That's good. That's good. 
why does any of this even matter? Well, first of all, it matters because God said it. First of all, God wants us to be in unity. It's hard to be in unity when you're bad-mouthing everybody. And let's be honest. Some of us have, have a gifting for it. We don't just see the glass half empty. We don't even see any liquid in it at all. I don't know how God does anything without me. But here's a, here's a big reason I believe the Lord wanted to talk about this this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to, to NCC family. See, recently God gave, gave a prophecy over the church about waves of revival coming, even as soon as next spring. And I believe that's God's desire. I believe God wants to do this. But we have to receive it by faith, and we have to move towards it. If you knew God was coming to your house, let's, let's just pick your favorite celebrity. It doesn't matter. I was going to say the president, but half of you don't like the president, so we won't say the president this time. Pick a celebrity. Pick somebody that you would be honored to have in your house. Now, if they were coming to your house, would you let the kids throw all the stuff around everywhere and you wouldn't clean the toilet and it'd just be nasty? You wouldn't do that, would you? No, if you knew this person was coming to your house, it would be cleaner than it had ever been cleaned before. So if we believe, if we can hear a word, a prophecy saying that the Lord wants to initiate a revival here at New Covenant, why wouldn't we move to clean the house? So it's God's desire. But I promise you, I've been in places. I've been in places where I have seen miracles. I've been in places where I've seen great moves of God. And every one of them was stopped because of prejudice and pride. And I don't want to see that happen this time. Dang it, I'm getting old. And I don't want to have to wait for the next move of God, okay? Tomorrow's my birthday. Thank you. So let's deal with our hearts. So the Lord can deal with this as a congregation. And we have to understand that if the Lord starts revival, it's not just to tickle us. It's not just so, so oh, look, the Lord has come. Let's bless the Lord, oh, my soul. That's... If, if revival is coming, if the Lord chooses to use this house in revival, it's meant more for out there than in here. I don't want to be a part of a revival that doesn't change society. I don't want to be a part of a revival that's not going to affect, infect people outside of the house. And part of that, that prophecy says that there, there will be so much holiness in the house that it draws people in. Can you believe that? See, we've been told for so long, we've been told for so long that we got to act like the world, look like the world, get as close to the world, be as much like the world, so they'll know that we're cool. But the prophecy says there will be so much holiness in the house that it will be irresistible. Irresistible. And there's going to be a lot of people coming in. All kinds of different people. 
And we cannot prejudge them. So what do I want you to know this morning? Prejudice is a trap that is birthed from pride. And it will be clearly seen in our actions and in our words. And God takes that very seriously. He takes it very seriously when we engage in areas of pride. And then we put ourselves in a place to be resisted. So what do I want you to do this morning? While it's easy to see pride in others, sometimes it's hard to recognize it in ourselves. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to expose areas of pride and prejudice in our lives. And then let's repent. Think differently. And allow the Holy Spirit to retain, retrain, I mean, <laughs> can't read my own writing, retrain so we can act differently. Let's think differently and act differently.